You're listening to the St. John's Diamond Creek Podcast, recorded live each Sunday at St. John's Anglican Church, Diamond Creek. This episode presented by Youth and Young Adults Minister, Kirk McKenzie. Here we go. It's always good to start with a little bit of a, huh, what's it, what's going on? Uh, so uh, I'm one of the ministers here, particularly I focus on youth and young adults. Uh, my pleasure to speak to you this evening. And with the Come and See series that we're doing, you know, we're particularly in, um, saying, hey, if, you, if you're new with us tonight, it's great to have you. And uh, if you don't have much experience of church, hopefully enough of it will make sense. And... Um, what we're really hoping to do is not to lecture you. Like we're going to be, I'm going to be very positive about Christianity. Uh, I think it, being Christian is great. I would recommend it to everyone. Um, but I'm not going to stand here and like lecture you about it. What I want to do is just tell you some stories about how I came to be standing here as a like a public Christian speaking at a church event. Uh, a little bit about the journey. A little bit about stuff in my life. Um, and hopefully that'll be helpful for you. And I'm gonna, we're going to look at the Bible a little bit as well, and hopefully you'll be able to engage with that in some way. understand everyone will be at different situations um, and uh, different experiences, but hopefully, as I share, something will be useful for you. Um, I thought I'd show a clip that sort of sets the scene. It's from the IT crowd, uh, uh, sort of English comedy. Uh, and so set in an IT department of a generic business in London... Uh, And so the manager, who's the lady in the middle, has been accidentally appointed as the head of the IT department because she knows nothing about computers. And then the two technicians, who are the guys on either side, they know quite a lot about computers, and so they enjoy uh, sort of playing practical jokes on her and and sort of, you know, seeing if they can trip her up with stuff. So what we're going to do is watch the clip, and then I'll tell you how it relates to me and Christianity. So let's have a look. What is it? This, Jen, is the internet. (laughs) What? That's right. This is the internet. (laughs) The whole internet. Yep. I asked for a loan of it so that you could use it in your speech. It's so small. That's one of the surprising things about it. Hang on. It doesn't have any wires or anything. It's wireless. Oh, yes, everything's wireless nowadays, isn't it? So I can really use it in my speech. What if someone needs it? Oh, no, no. People will still be able to go online and everything. It'll still work. Oh, good. (laughs) I tell you, you present this to the shareholders and you will get quite a response. Mm. Can I touch it? It's so light. Of course it is, Jen. The internet doesn't weigh anything. <laughs> no, of course it doesn't. <laughs> hey! What is Jen doing with the internet? Ma said I could use it for my speech. Are you insane? What if she drops it? I won't drop it. I'll look after it. No, 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 Jen. No, this, this needs to go straight back to Big Ben. Big Ben? Yeah, it goes on top of Big Ben. That's where you get the best reception. Well, I 
promise I won't let anything happen to it. No, Jen, I'm sorry. But the elders of the internet would never stand for it. No, no, Roy, I spoke to the elders of the internet not one hour ago. I told them about Jen winning Employee of the Month, and they were so impressed that they wanted to do whatever they could to help. Wait a minute. The elders of the internet. The elders of the internet know who I am? You've got to let me have it! No, Jen, I'm sorry. It's just too risky. Oh, please, Roy. Oh. Well, Moss, has it been completely demagnetised? By Stephen Hawking himself. <laughs> he sent his congratulations, by the way. Well, if it's OK with the hawk... So, can I have it? You can. Don't forget your speech. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Slowly. <laughs> All right, so how does that connect with me and Christianity? Well, um, the IT manager had a little bit, like they, they knew what the internet was. Right? And so I certainly knew that. Uh, my parents are Christians and we were a church family. Um, when Julie speaks next week, she'll speak from the perspective of someone who's not from a church family. But we were. We went pretty much every week. Dad's here. So if you need to confirm any of this, he's sitting in the front row. Um, uh, but I think it's fair to say that when it came to engaging young people, probably about the age of 10 and over, um, our the church we went to as a family was very disorganised. And there was just not much going on. And so as I went into high school, I wouldn't have, like, I'm not saying we're perfect at this church, but we at least try to engage, to, um, you know, teenagers and, and older primary school and so on. But this church really didn't. And so uh, I, I just sort of started to drift a bit and didn't really get it. And so whilst I knew about Christianity, um, you know, the IT manager even knew a bunch of information about the internet. Since you probably used email and She's like, oh, things are wireless and stuff like that. So had sort of some general info. And I certainly had that. Um, and maybe I would have had more than the average Australian adult would, even when I say 14. But when it came to actually really getting the internet, like what is the actual internet about? What is it at the heart, at the guts of it? Then uh, the IT manager had no idea. And likewise, I would say I hadn't really got to the heart of Christianity. Like it was still this sort of mystery box uh, thing, and I, I wasn't quite up with that. So I had a, a fairly shallow understanding of Christianity uh, most of the way through high school. And so what happened was I started to pick up ideas about Christianity that weren't necessarily from the Bible, right? So what Christians believe is based on the Bible, this book. And I started to pick it up from other places. Um, in, particularly, in particular, TV and TV shows like The Simpsons. Simpsons was huge in the 90s when I was going through high school. I think it's a great show, particularly the early series. But who are the daggiest, nerdiest, loseriest family in The Simpsons? It's the Flanders who live next door, who are the, the like, stereotypical Christian family. And who's like the, got the weirdest, strictest, bizarre rules in their house? It's the Flanders. Uh, who are the weakest, wimpiest people in the neighborhood? It's the Flanders, right? So you're getting all this message from, the, like, this is what Christians are like. And so I started to perceive 
um, Christianity as, as a very restrictive to my life and it was like taking away my freedom. It was almost like I had spiritual chains, you know, being part of this thing called Christianity. That like, it seemed like freedom was being restricted and that look at all that, look at the Flanders family and all the things they can't do. Uh, and so, yeah, not physical slavery, not anywhere near that sort of intensity, but this sort of mild spiritual slavery. It's like, is this really just stopping me from actually enjoying life? But there were a couple of things that kept me hanging in and that made me um, not give it up completely. One of them was a line from the Bible, uh, from Je- direct quote from Jesus. Uh, and it was, one of, it was the second great commandment. So Jesus got asked, what are the most important commandments? He said, the first great commandment uh, is to love God. And the second great commandment, which I've got highlighted there, is to love your neighbor as yourself. So to love other people as you would like to be loved. To treat other people in ways that you would like to be treated. And for you know, 14-year-old me, you know, growing up in Melbourne... This made complete sense. This just worked logically in my head. I just thought, if everyone in the world did this, if everyone in the world treated each other like they would like to be treated and did their best to do that, most of the problems that we see in the world would disappear overnight. You know, all the bullying and teasing and gossip that I saw going on at school, that would be gone. Uh, Most of my friends in my class actually had separated parents and I thought, well, I wonder if a lot of them would still be together if they had been able to love their neighbour as their self. Wars, of course, would come an end. You know, if you, you don't, no one gets, loves getting shot at, right? So all these problems would disappear if we just applied this. So this, I just couldn't get this out of my head. I was just going through high school. It didn't prove that the rest of the words in the Bible were true. It didn't prove that God existed. But what it did do was it convinced me that there's at least something in here that is worth giving my full attention to. There is something in here that compelled me to pay attention and to not give it up and to go, maybe the whole Flanders thing hasn't quite got it right. Another reason I hung in was sort of more of a a, a negative reason. And that was, yeah, I found it restrictive and I found like I was a bit of a spiritual slave of some description. But at the same time, when I looked at people who weren't Christians, I didn't exactly see a whole lot of freedom going on there. All I saw was just different sorts of slavery. You know, a lot of people were addicted to stuff, drugs, alcohol, this sort of thing. Like a lot of people in high school, and this continues, you know, now that we're all in our 30s, is they weren't necessarily like raging alcoholics, but they were addicted to the alcohol to the point where they couldn't socialize properly, they couldn't relax properly unless they had, had it in their system. And so I was seeing this going on and seeing it in people older than me and seeing people the same age, and I go, well, people can get addicted, that's another sort of slavery. You know, it's just sort of, you can't, can't get out from that, um, or it's very difficult to escape that. And then I saw, and this is a key one, you could think of lots of ways that people are kind of slaves in their life, The key one for me was being a slave to people's expectations, other people's expectations. You could probably think of a bunch of examples from your own life. Here's a couple from me. Um, This is a a not particularly serious one. So again, going to high school in the 90s, for a couple of years, baggy jeans came in big time. And I mean huge baggy jeans, like just massive things, if you wanted to buy a pair that was baggy as what people were wearing in that time today, you couldn't. 
Nobody sells them because they were ridiculously baggy. But if we did have a pair up here, I could get four skinny people up on stage and fit them all in the one pair of pants. You know, like they were just huge things. And so I didn't have a pair of baggy jeans. And so I got quite a lot of social pressure from my friends to get one. Kirk, you should get some baggy jeans. Uh, you know, why, why don't you have some? You should get some. Yeah, they're great. You should get some. And I resisted and I resisted and I resisted. And then I caved and I begged mum to get me a pair and she did and I was accepted by my friends. Um, and so, <laughs> so, do you see? Like, this, this, this is a silly thing, but there was this expectation that you need to dress like us. You need to be like us. You need to behave like us. But it can get a lot more serious. There's an expectation that we talk about fairly often here at Sunday at 6, that if you're not in a romantic relationship, then you're a bit of a loser. You know, if you don't have some sort of romance going on in your life, that you're somehow a second-rate person. And if you think about it, there's no logic to this at all. Right? It doesn't come from any particularly good reason, but it is an expectation that's out there. And it gets, I think it gets harder as people get older. And, yeah, and so what you would see and what, um, what would happen is, I'm not being judgmental here, by the way, I probably would have been in exactly the same situation, except everyone I asked to go out with me said no. But, <laughs> but people, people would start a romantic relationship and it would be really dysfunctional because they weren't getting in it for good reasons. They're just getting in it because there was that pressure to be in a romantic relationship. Be really dysfunctional. Eventually, it would end, and you think, "Oh, they need to take a break." You know, surely they're going to have a bit of time off. A couple of weeks later, they're into another one, or they're back into the dysfunctional one that caused all the problems in the first place. And I'm starting to go. These people are slaves to this stuff, you know. And you could think of other examples. And I'm not saying that those things are, are bad. Like, if you wear baggy jeans and you love them, that's fine. I'm not saying baggy jeans are morally bad. It's not, romantic relationships aren't bad. They're not evil. But sometimes people's expectations around these things can just put us in this sort of slavery mode where we just have to give in because they've, they've got more power than we do, you know, in a way. Or, or their, even their perceived opinions. They might not even be saying it, but you just think that they want me to do that and so that's what I'm going to do. Um, so a lot of this I was seeing around myself and um, I think some people sometimes thought that these things brought them freedom but I like to think of it as the sort of freedom that a fish experiences when they jump out of the tank. You know, so the, ta- the fish is swimming around in the tank going, oh, I'm a bit restricted here and keep bumping into walls. Um, so they launch themselves out, freedom, and only to launch themselves into a different sort of slavery. And I saw, I saw that a lot. You know? And so, okay, I'm looking for freedom from this sort of lack of depth that I had with Christianity, but I didn't see a whole lot of freedom in people who weren't following Christianity. So that sort of kept me hanging in. Anyway, eventually mum and dad realised that the church was never going to get their act together with young people, so we moved to a church that had their act together somewhat with young people. And so when I was 18, I joined a small group. At our church, we call them a life group. Um, a life group, pretty simple description would be people get together in a, someone's house, look at, uh, read the Bible together and discuss their questions. And so this is what we did. And so I joined this group with other young adults and I honestly thought, I'll just go for the first week, it'll probably suck and then I'll never go again. Um, but what I found when I got there was that actually these People don't seem to see Christianity as a restriction. It doesn't seem to be chaining them up spiritually. Actually, they seem to have a lot of freedom. And they spoke very positively about their relationship with Jesus. And it was very compelling for me. 
It's like there is something different going on here. Um, not that they didn't have problems. Yeah, they certainly had challenges in life. But that their faith was a source of freedom. And so I stuck around. I hardly missed a week. And um, we looked at the Bible together. And I started to really deepen my understanding of Christianity in very helpful ways. So what I want to do now um, is invite Lenny up. Lenny's going to read the Bible for us. Just a little passage from the book of John. Um, and uh, there's Bibles in front of you if you want to keep it open with you. Every time I reference a verse, um, I'll put it on the screen. Um, but uh, if you'd like to keep it open, you're welcome to do that. Also, if you want to get the Bible for free, there's a free app there, all different translations, audio Bibles, etc. So we do recommend that if you've got a smartphone. Um, but basically, Lenny's just going to read a short story where Jesus has a chat to some people about slavery and freedom. Um, it's John chapter 8, that's the big number, uh, and then verse 31 is a small number. Uh, so let's hear from that and then I'll unpack it a little bit. Um, so yeah, I'm part of the Sunday at 6 family. Uh, I go here most weeks, nearly every week. Um, and I'm really excited because the Bible has had some really influential impacts on my life and I get to share it with you guys. So here we go. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants, and we have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, Very truly, I tell you, Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Thanks, Lenny. So that conversation continues, but we'll, we'll leave it there for tonight. Um, so Jesus says this interesting thing, where he says, uh, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. That's in verse 32. Um, what sort of freedom is the Bible talking about when it talks about freedom? Well, it's not what I call big, dumb American freedom, which is sort of like, you know, uh, when Americans take their freedom to extreme, I mean, American freedom is probably mostly good, but they take it to extreme where it's like, I can do whatever I want, whenever I want, consequences be damned and if you don't like it you just have to get out of the way and shut up about it and if you really don't like it I'll freely walk down to the supermarket and buy myself a gun and point it at you uh, so you get out of my way you know like this sort of just obnoxious sort of freedom like I'm just going to use my freedom at the expense of everyone else and it, it, the Bible's definition of freedom is a bit more uh, nuanced and subtle than that um, here's how I would describe it when the Bible talks about freedom it's talking about freedom to be who God made you to be Freedom to be who God made you to be. We believe there's a purpose in human life. It's not just random. That God has a purpose for us. And so we have that freedom uh, to be who God made us to be. That's what we're thinking about. And so that means freedom from being embarrassed about church or bored at church. It means freedom from the expectations of other people. It means freedom from things like spiritual slavery. And so I started to discover this truth that sets you free just by looking at the Bible uh, with this small group of people. And, and as 
time went on and my understanding grew, I also started to experience the power of God in my life and experience that freedom in amazing ways. But there's an objection in the conversation, which possibly you're having right now. Uh, and they, in their objection, they go, in verse 33, they say, well, we're Abraham's descendants. So they're sort of saying, well, you know, Abraham's in the Old Testament. We've got a bit of a God thing going on in our ancestry here. Um, and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say we shall be set free? So they're going, well, we don't, we don't feel like slaves. You know, we're not physically slaves. We don't think we're slaves. So what are we getting set free from? And so possibly you're here tonight and thinking, yeah, I'm not sure I'm a slave to people's expectations. I've got that under control. Maybe you don't have that sort of experience of religion, um, feeling like it might be um, restricting you. And so it's like, do you have anything to be set free from? Is there any relevance here? And Jesus answers in verse 34, where he says, Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. So basically saying everyone has at least one slavery issue, and this is this issue of sin. Okay, so what's sin? A couple of ways of thinking about it. Sin is when we fail to be who God made us to be, either by evil action, you know, doing wrong, or by failure to do good. That could be one definition of sin. Another one might be doing the opposite to loving God and loving other people. You know, if that's the two great commandments, sin is the opposite. Rejecting God, um, hurting other people, and all the actions and words and thoughts that go along to make that happen. Right? So that's sin. Now by that definition, I think it's pretty easy to argue that sin is the world's greatest problem. That most of the problems we experience as a human race are caused by human sin. And it's a big challenge, you know, and we're all part of it. You know, some people, um, maybe more than others, but we're all part of this problem. And sin damages our relationships with each other and it damages our relationship with God. And so Jesus says we're all slave to this. Good luck getting through this week without sinning. You know, I think the only way you could do that would be to go into a coma, which hopefully doesn't happen due to my talk. Um, but... Yeah, like, we, we do sin. Like, we can't help it. Um, even, no matter how hard we try not to, it's still going to happen sometimes. Um, I'm not condoning, like, just going free-for-all sinning, by the way, but, like, it is good to try not to, but, you know, let's just be realistic. We're not going to get away with it, uh, you know, with no, no sin all the time. And so, this is a problem. Slavery to sin, and God doesn't like sin, because he doesn't like people getting hurt, he doesn't like being rejected, uh, and God is fair and just, and so he needs to respond to sin. So when Jesus says in verse 36, if the sun sets you free, you'll be free indeed, he's talking about freedom from sin, this, the, the world's biggest problem. Freedom from the spiritual consequences of sin. We still have to deal with the day-to-day consequences, but the spiritual consequences, the damage to our relationship with God, dealt with. How does that work? You know, I think part, a big part of my lack of understanding was I didn't really get it. Like I didn't really think about that side of things much. I didn't really understand the unpacking of it. And I got told an illustration, a story that I think illustrates how this works uh, real, the, pretty well. And so what I wanted to do was share this illustration and uh, hopefully it will be helpful for you. So it's based around a guy called uh, LaGuardia, who was the mayor of New York in the 20th century, during the Depression, lots of poverty in New York. 
And he was known for wearing wide brim hats around town. This sort of bit of an eccentric dude. And um, I need to pull it down front like that. It's my wife. She prefers it that way. Um, and so, <laughs> so I'll do it. Uh, so uh, we've got this situation where um, in New York at the time, the mayor was just allowed to go into... By the way, my head is too big for this hat. I do know that. Um, so the mayor was allowed to go into the court and sit as a judge in the courtroom. That is just something the mayor was allowed to do. And so one day he goes into the courtroom and he hears this case. And the case was of a grandmother um, who was looking after a bunch of kids at home. They'd run out of money, it was a depression. And so she uh, stole a loaf of bread to feed the kids because they were starving. She got caught and she's standing in front of the judge, who's also the mayor. And she pleads guilty. I did it. So there's not much to and fro in the case. It comes to the judge, time to do the verdict. And LaGuardia says, well, um, you're guilty of stealing, and the fine for stealing is $5, which in that time was a lot of money, uh, particularly when most people had no money. But then he did something that changed the atmosphere in the courtroom. He took off his wide-brim hat, and he pulled out $5 of his own money and put it in the hat. And then he said, and now I find everyone in the room 50 cents for living in a city where a grandmother has to steal to feed children. And so he passed the hat around. Each person dropped in 50 cents. And then he took all of that money and gave it to the grandmother. Enough to pay the fine and plenty left over. Okay, how does that help us understand Jesus setting us free from sin. Well, let's put ourselves in the position of the grandmother. Um, we are all she was guilty of the crime. We are all guilty of sin. Every single person. No exceptions. And so in the courtroom of God, we stand guilty in front of him. And God being the fair judge, he needs to respond uh, and do justice which would be to give us a penalty or a punishment. But at the same time, God loves us and he wants to show us compassion, kindness and forgiveness. And so he finds a way to do both. Um, and by doing that, he sends Jesus into the world as a human being. We believe Jesus was human and God at the same time. And so because he was God, because he was special in that way, what Jesus did was he said, well, I'm going to take all your sins and I'm going to put them on myself. And then when he died on the cross, it's like our sins were destroyed. You know, they're wiped out. Um, uh, he killed our sins effectively as he was killed. So that's the part in the story where LaGuardia drops the $5 in the hat and pays the fine for the grandmother. But of course, the illustration has that extra bit where there's sort of an extra gift given to the grandmother. And that comes in the story where Jesus doesn't just remove the negative of the punishment for sin, but gives us a positive, and that is, um, well, in part, freedom. Uh, freedom to live free from slavery to sin, freedom to experience God's love, and he does that by rising again and then sending his spirit into the world so that us, 2,000 years later, when Jesus is no longer walking around, we can experience God's love through his spirit. We can experience his freedom 
through his spirit today. And that's that extra gift that was given to the grandmother. This was um, a big breakthrough understanding this. Uh, and, uh, you know, a whole lot of other things going on. It wasn't just hearing one illustration and I just completely understood everything about Christianity. But I think really getting that sacrifice that Jesus made took, it, took me from that shallow place to a much deeper understanding where I could really experience faith in Jesus as something that brought freedom to my life. And that offer that Jesus um, gives of taking the sins uh, onto himself is available to everyone, everywhere, all the time. There's nobody who's excluded from this. There's no one who's done too many bad sins and racked up a, a, a such a terrible record that they can't receive it. There's nobody who doesn't understand enough yet to receive it. Uh, it doesn't work that way. It's like, it's available. And if you would like to take it, take that offer, then you can. It's very simple. You just start that relationship with Jesus. So in a moment, if you'd like to do that tonight, I'll give you an opportunity and it's like a first step on how to do that. But wherever you're at with it, what I want to encourage you to do is be proactive, okay? Don't worry about what other people will think about you. You know, if this is true, if Jesus is the real deal, he was the son of God, he truly can set you free, it's far more important than any sort of expectations we get put on us by people in society. And don't put it off either. Don't wait till you're not busy or, you know, the kids have grown up or, you know, I sorted out... Um, my job or you know I'm at death's door or whatever I don't wait for that sort of thing it's too important and too pressing to do that um, and I just encourage you to be proactive about it you know grab a cop you know grab some of the free resources on the way out fill in your connect card online or on paper and ask for some more information or to meet up with someone from church um, we'll have a response time after the service response area so there'll be a bunch of people who just hang out in this area over here who'd be happy to talk to you about what the next step for you investigating Christianity would be. Um, that'll vary from person to person, but they'll just be available for a while after the service to chat to you if you'd like to. Um, but just take those opportunities that you get. Maybe you want to join a life group that we have here and start talking about Jesus with people um, from our church. Whatever the case, uh, I encourage you not to put it off and to take action. But for those of you who are like, yeah, all right, I'm ready, I'm in, I want to start this relationship today. I just want to lead us in a short prayer. Um, and that can sort of be you know, your, your foot in the door, effectively. Um, it's a, it's a, the structure of the prayer is, sorry, thank you, please. Sorry for the things I've done wrong. Sorry for my sin. Thank you for what Jesus has done. And please be with me. Please give me your love. Give me your freedom. So I'm just going to pray in that way now. I'm going to leave some spots, like some gaps, so that you can like fill in the detail, because I'll be very general, but you can sort of pray in your own mind and speak to God about some of the detail. So I invite you to pray with me. I'm aware some people might be like, oh, I don't really, I'm not sure I really want to pray. Oh, that's cool. I uh, just encourage you to listen, and um, you might like to close your eyes if you want to give other people privacy. That's up to you. So let's pray. Father God, we're sorry for the things that we have done wrong. The problems we've caused in the world the damage we've done to our relationship with you and to our relationship with other people and we're sorry for that
we thank you for the sacrifice Jesus made uh, so that our sins could be dealt with, so that we could experience uh, that freedom, that we could be free to be who you made us to be. Thank you for um, making that sacrifice, not because we deserve it, but because you love us. And we ask that you please uh, come into our lives through your spirit uh, to guide us out of slavery and into freedom, to remind us of your love, and to show us your power. Amen. Thanks for joining us. If you've got any questions about this podcast, connect with us on our website, stjohnsdc.org.au or at facebook.com slash stjohnsdc. Don't forget, you can join us live in Diamond Creek every Sunday at 9.30am and 6pm.